0: Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. Lord, we thank you, God, for this chance to gather today, Lord, to brave, Lord, those elements out there, and God, to be in this house, Lord, to be with your people, Lord, to praise you, God, and and Lord, to have our hearts filled up, Lord, with your word, God, with the presence of God, Lord, to be encouraged, Lord, filled with faith. So, Lord, do that in us, God, freshly. Whatever the need is, Lord, bring that manna to every heart today. In Jesus' name, amen. Born identity, or what we're calling our born-again identity. And today, we're going to talk about how it is restored. In week 4, If you've missed the other parts of our series, you can go to our website where you can see the video as well as the message uh, in our uh, four-part series called The Born Identity. So week four, closing it out today. In Psalm 139, 13 through 16, it says this, for you created my inmost being. This is a very familiar scripture, very powerful. You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. You know, you're talking about a first-century person, or rather, rather, actually, this is B.C. times, describing what they see in the Spirit and not knowing what's taking place. The best they can conjure prophetically is to say that God is knitting that child together in the womb. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? The hand of God. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful and I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body, and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Very powerful. I would consider theologically a foundation stone when we think of life. Where it begins, who's the author of it, very clear. So, But we're talking about a different birth. We're talking about an identity that God has given to each one of us. In that making, in that creation, in that beginning, in that formation, carries with it, of course, who we are and who God has called us to be. And we've been talking in this series about how to discover that. And there's a lot of talk and has been a lot of talk in the church over the last 20 years about purpose. And, of course, that someone might even call that somewhat of a revival, if you will, a revival of purpose for the church. Because what can happen is that, that we as people can get caught up and we, we, we don't see the details. We don't see how we are specifically called to be a part of the church, a part of his body. And so we lose our personal identification. So, what have we learned in this series? You know, we've learned that each of us has an identity with which we are born. We are stamped with God's purpose for our life as we are made in His image. And of course, there's a whole teaching there. If we get into what they call the attributes of God, His communicable and His incommunicable attributes, you can find that the fingerprints of God are on us our creativity. He's the first creator, the power of words. He's the one who uses words. He created the universe out of nothing with his, his own words. Let there be light. And it behooves us to find out what that purpose is. If he's stamped us, then it's we should we should dig. We should find out. And we should use our whole life to come into that discovery. But we can summarize it today, and that's what I kind of want to do: is break it down. What have we learned? And, and walk away today encouraged, emboldened, and maybe on a new journey. They talk about the final frontier being space, but I don't think that's true. I think the final frontier is a relationship with God. That's a space that very few people really truly find, and we spend the rest of our life discovering that. So let's talk about it. What's, what's that going to take? And what is our identity? Who are we? And let's, let's try to summarize this the best we can. Number one that God knows who I am before I am even born. And if this is true, then it's true of all human beings. And that God is the creator of them all and this concept of God's universal love is cruti- is critical to our understanding of the gospel's appeal to everyone on the planet. And so what we have learned along here is that God that is God's focus is redeeming mankind and we can get we can get, you know, uh in the minutiae but we can get lost in the details when really we need to, at times we need to just back up and realize you know what this is all about fixing mankind this is all about god getting his kids back and them getting back to a place where they're going to have peace and joy and have a hope of the future jesus came and surprised every one of them and he said look your future is a lot more real than you realize And he brought to them very specific teaching about eternal life. And he said, there is eternal life for every single human being. And he said, he essentially revolutionized the concept of eternity. And basically said, look, when you die, and you all will die, you're going to go to one or two places. He made it very clear. He said, if you don't die with a saving knowledge, if you don't put your hope in what I'm going to do for you, speaking in past tense, in present tense, putting our hope in what he did for us on the cross. He said, If you don't do that, then there's one place where all mankind will go. He described it. He gave stories, at times even eerie stories, that were not parables at all, as far as actually seeing what it would be like to be in a burning hell. But then he said, but no, if you, he said, but but God has made it very simple. He's reached out for you, and he wants to redeem you. He said, I am come that you might have life and have it abundantly. And he says, if you make me the Lord of your life, if you choose me, if you recognize me as the Son of God, if you recognize the work that I am performing, if you recognize his placement in the heavenlies, and that he is the sacrifice for all mankind, if you acknowledge that, he said, you will be saved. And live with him forever but one of the things we're learning here is that salvation begins of course the moment we confess and if we're, and if our life and our purpose was all about heaven well then we would just disappear right we would just boom, just disappear Lord I thank you for being my Savior boom gone next thing you know angels in heaven golden streets and the whole nine yards but we find that it's not up that our ultimate purpose our ultimate purpose is to be here being salt, a changing agent, to be light, to shine on the darkness. And he says, look, your life is now full of me and my purposes. And this is all in us. And it's, as a matter of fact, when we talk about born again, my point is this, that we're all born with that. We're all stamped to be connected to God and to communicate with all of creation, the glory of God. Did you know that? That when you see a majestic mountain, when you see a beautiful river, a, a, you know, a pastoral scene, and it just, it just overwhelms you as we've all experienced and, and our heart goes up. In the same way, we as men and women are created to do the same thing. That when we create, that when we sing a song, when we, we write, a, 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 write poetry or we, we, we write a story or we, we create something with our hands that people can look at that and say, look at the hand of God through you. We're all born with that. So number two, he gives me a set of skills, gifts, and talents. Every one of us has it. And we've learned that. We've talked about this. It's so powerfully true that men without God tend to worship their own accomplishments because they are so impressed at what they have done. You know? And we, and we, we make mansions, and we create museums, and we create cathedrals, and we, we, we want to worship the created thing huh, over the creator. And this goes all the way back to the first fall of man. And God warned him, and he told him in the Ten Commandments, hey, put no other, you know, no, no image be- before me. That idolatry is anything that we place in front of God. But he gives us skills and gifts and talents, folks, that we might enjoy the life we've been given, look at the things that we've created, and say, God, you're so awesome. Thank you for blessing me with this. Thank you for the privilege of being able to carry your uniqueness. And we, read, we already read in Psalm 139 that that was the very heart of God, that God has put that in. He knew me before any day ever came to be, and therefore who I am in its specificity is all there. It's all there all from his hand but again without christ a person is going to impact this world and that's one thing that's interesting that god's gifts and his call are without repentance we know that to be true in other words what god gives he's not going to pull back he's not going to pull the rug out from under you and what we find is that when people discover their gifts without god they still can be very creative am i right I mean, there are people in the world who are amazing artists. They have that creative ability in them. It's all there, and we stand astounded. But we also see that they're not giving glory to God for it either. And it causes men. And because the message is not translated through that gift, that talent, God is not, people don't look up. Either look in or at that person. And they try to glorify him or her only to destroy them. Because you can't put a human in God's place, you just can't do it. Without Christ, a person, again, is going to impact the world one way or another using the creativity God has given them. You know, I know so many pastor friends of mine who had teachers come to me, and I was definitely not the exception, that they would come to me and say, You know what? You're so full of talent. You're so full of good stuff. But man, I tell you what, if you don't get doing good, you're going to do a whole lot of bad. And that was true of me. How many of that were were, were true of you? Yeah, you know, we ran the streets, broke stuff. Yeah. My kids, you know, they don't know half of what happened. And thank God. (laughs) There are whole cities I dare not go back to. (laughs) I kid you not. But... I don't say that in a boasting way. I just know, you know what? God put, stamped me with creativity. <laughs> I just used a lot of that creativity for, for the devil, man, until God said, you know what, enough of that. But that creativity is there for the common good. If it is good, it will be for the common good. Um, there are plenty of Christians out there who invented things and that we enjoy the benefit of that. Or to spread, they can spread confusion and evil, and we know that's to be true as well. Wonderful, powerful minds. Karl Marx was in a very intelligent, incredibly, you know, a huge thinker for his time. But, no, I, but that philosophy, that political philosophy he created has been responsible for millions upon millions of people being slaughtered to make room for it. And why would we even toy with that even now? Marxism. Otherwise called communism. A utopian vision for the earth without God. Heaven on earth. If we could all just be equal. If we could all just make heaven here. We wouldn't need a God. And we all know that is absolutely (laughs) counter to what Jesus has taught us. It's demonic really. It's because it's a deception, isn't that right, Dan? It's a lie, because you can't have it. So we learned last week that those without Christ have minds that are easily captured to do the work of the enemy. And our story with Stephen, you know, he was captured, and he was, he was you know, given a drug to remove his memory. So he forgot who he was and see that's what we're talking about here is that Christians we can get caught up in this world and we can listen to, the, to the, the, you know, the honey whispers and we can listen to the philosophies of this world and they sound good and they, they begin to pull us away from the truth and the focus of the gospel and, 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 and matter of fact it can become a syncretism, a mixture. And we all know a mixture is not as good as the real thing. Matter of fact, just a little bit of pollution. Just taking a droplet of toilet water and putting it in a fresh, clean, cla- uh, clean glass of water. Would you drink it? I wouldn't. But all it takes is just that little philosophy of the world, that little bit of, 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 of uh, um, you know, paganism and uh, human belief. See, Paul of the New Testament is an excellent example of a Christian who was plucked out of what we would consider a system that was so anti-God. It's amazing. Yet he thought he was. Paul was a Jew. He was a Pharisee. He was a man who was on a fast track to become one of the great leaders of the Jewish uh, temple and of those times. And he thought that he, he got full of all this passion, he got full of, he was marching on the streets, he, was, he had the signs, and, and he was out there, you know, writing, and, and, and everybody was putting their hope in him. <clears throat> Trained and educated in the greatest universities of the time. And yet, he rose up and said, I'm going to do God a favor. These Christians, man, they're so in the way. These Christians, they so intolerant. These Christians, they so get in our way because we really want to get on with what we've got going on in this culture. But those doggone Christians, does that sound familiar to you, anyone? And so Paul rose up and went to the, the, and he said, look, I'll help you out here. I'll help you get rid of the Christians. Let's go imprison them, and if they fight us, we'll kill them. And they said, sound good to us. So Paul does that during a great, one of the first great persecutions of the church. He's hauling them off into prison. Whole families screaming and crying. Can you imagine that? All in the name of God. So on his way to Antioch, he's walking along, and Jesus says, I created you. I'm going to fill the story in. I created you. I marked you. I, I knew you before every day, any day ever came to be. And you know what? Enough of this. Knocks him off his donkey, blinds him and speaks to him from heaven and says, Paul, why are you kicking against the goads? I mean, in other words, a bunch of nails in a board. Why are you trying to kick that? No good, ain't gonna work. And he says, Paul says, who, who are you? Who, am, who, who are you to, to be saying? I'm not persecuting, who are you? He says, I'm Jesus, the one you're persecuting, Paul. Or Saul was what his name was, and he changed his name at the time. He's a perfect example of one who had had an impression, who had been stamped with the purpose of God, but man, was it ever being used for evil. Am I right? But he had a born again experience. And all those gifts, all those talents, that mind God used and took him away for nine years and said, look, study the Bible. Study it, Paul. And when he came out, when he came back to the church, he was a giant. He took the words of Christ and made him into the theological system that we now know and we now use. That was the work of God. So I want you to think about that just for a moment. You know, we've been given a potential. We've, we've been given talent. And, and there's some of you that you, you, you're, you're great thinkers. You're, you can write. And maybe even there's a lot of untapped potential still in you But because the world has held you back or held you down or you've been discouraged or or whatever the case may be, but there's an imprint, there's something from God that's yet to come out of you. Or it might be you got a lot of that good stuff going on, but you're not using it for God. And I'm saying, I'm I'm telling you this morning, you know, that's fine, you can do that, but there's so much more. Because, look, the bottom line is when we come into who God has created us to be, there's a fulfillment. There's a power. There's a joy that goes beyond. You know, I was just telling somebody else. You know, I, I was having to do something in the house, and and uh, you know, I don't do a lot of carpentry, but I do it when I have to. So I pull out the old saw and I get into doing some stuff, and I walk away, and I'm just going, "I'm the man." <laughs> I got a sliver in my thumb. Yeah, makes me feel so good. Sweat on the brow. And it just makes you think, you know what? There are certain things that don't really kick in until you really start doing what you're made to do. And it's unique. It's very unique. It's very powerful. You don't teach a whole, nother, you know, a whole thing on it. But see, with Christ, my inner circuitry is turned on. Don't you love this image? And it's almost like here we are. We're, we're, this, we're this, this incredibly complex being. And when we're created, little babies and and all. I mean, we're just astounded at human beings and and how God has created our brains. And and they're constantly studying that in science. And I I just would love to get into more of that on DNA and and the languages that go on between DNA. It's just astounding. The more they get into it, the more they realize this is a lot bigger than what we thought. And it's something incredibly intelligent had to have made this. Now, you can deny it, but the, the truth is there. But I tell you what, so you're born and then, but it's almost like God comes when we get born again and we give our life to Christ. It's like he reaches inside our heart and there's a switch on our heart and he says, Ding, turn it on. And all of that wonderful circuitry goes. Bzz, 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 and now we're running the way we were created to run. And our brain, it, matter of fact, they find, just study after study after study that faith that faith in Christ and meditating on the word of God and getting truth inside us, that it, how, it, it affects your very DNA, every cell in your body. You see? So it turned on and ultimately to impact the world. That was God's heart. He said, look, I want you to go and I want you to be salt and light to all the nations, wherever you are, from your home to the world. And all of... Who we are and what we can do is empowered by the Holy Spirit. Because, see, that's the power that surges through us, by the way. It's not electricity if we thought of a a computer, but it's the Holy Spirit who gets inside us, who now, from our head to to our toes, is there to stay with us and to energize and to give us wisdom, to give us knowledge, to give us understanding, to to, to break out of. And, And it's amazing that how there's a cloud over the human mind when it's focused. On itself but that when we yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit I mean I'll tell you what how many inventors and I love reading their stories I love to read them to my kids to show them that man when we are turned on but in the circuitry of who we're called to be so many wonderful things can come out of us I mean you got a problem God's got a solution and that solution will come out of man I'll tell you I don't know how many times I've been sitting there, you know, I would be sitting there just completely frustrated out of my mind. How many times I wanted to throw my computer, smash my phone, destroy my whole air conditioning system. I don't know how many times I'm just at the end of myself. And you guys and you ladies, you know exactly what I'm talking about here. You're like, I'm out of ideas. And YouTube doesn't help. Nothing helps. So you just have to just stop and say, Lord, would you please help me? And all of a sudden, bing, an idea will drop into your mind. You're like, why didn't I think of that before? Because you didn't pray. You didn't connect to the one who knows everything. That's kind of a good thought, isn't it? See, when we get filled with the Holy Spirit, he makes us a force far greater to the point where the enemy is very afraid of us, as he should be. And so in our story, Stephen, as he begins to discover it, we find the enemy getting very nervous because he didn't want Stephen. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again, that you, are, you in the hands of God are an amazing, powerful weapon against darkness if we will just submit to it. Another story I want to tell you. Back in about the 5th century, Europe, Rome had dominated all of the civilization, and you know this by studying Western Civ, that, that Rome dominated everything, but in time, of course, there are persecution of Christians. Of course, my interpretation of it is is that God begins to judge that civilization and it begins to crumble, and then the Goths and the Visigoths and the Germanic tribes come down and sack Rome, and it falls apart, and it be, they have to take their armies and they have to draw them in from all of the corners that they had won with brutality. And one of those corners is what they called Britannia, as now we know is England, and those islands. And that one little corner, green emerald isle out there called Ireland, full of pagans, nasty people, human sacrifice, druids, evil, demonic. Well, they come and they, once the Romans had to pull their armies out of England, it left it helpless. And so these pagans went along the the beaches and they would find people and they'd enslave them, bring them back to Ireland. One of those was a young boy. They grabbed him and they tied him up and they took him back to Ireland and they made him into a beast. But he had a a little bit of a knowledge of God because in his time, his effect of the Rome and and the gospel had gotten its way into Britannia at the time, and he knew about God. He had an uncle that that, that taught him about God. And so while he was there suffering and bleeding and sweating, he cried out to this God and said, come, Jesus, save me. He gave his life to Christ. And shortly thereafter, he found an opportunity to, to escape, and he did. And he escaped back to Europe where he found it in utter chaos. And he began to cry out to God and say, what next? What do you have for me? And God spoke to him. He said, I want you to go back to the people that enslaved you. And you can imagine him saying, I don't want to do that. That was bad. I got away from that. Can you imagine that, going back to your tormentors? I mean, the only way I would want to go back is with, you know, guns on my side. Right? Wouldn't you? But he obeyed God and He went. And when he got there, God was with him. And he went up against kings and tribal leaders. And he just stood his ground and said, I represent a God who is real. Your God is not real. Can you imagine that? But they were so fearful of the supernatural, they respected his God. Because they said, how could you come back? How how has this happened other than the fact that your God is real? and he preached from village to village, and people came to Christ, and he baptized them by the thousands. And Ireland became from a place of darkness to a place of incredible light, where the rest of the world was being plunged into paganism. This one little island started to begin forming these these monasteries, these places of civilization. And within there, they created agriculture and ideas and, and how to grow food, and it was saving the people And ideas that were coming out it, it was amazing. Even secular historians know and recognize that the world was saved by these people. It all comes down to that one young man. You know what his name was? Patrick. And here in just a month, they're going to celebrate that young man. Went on to be a great bishop. And you know what they did? Which is what I love about the story the most. is They did not keep the ideas to themselves. They said, we can't keep this to ourselves. So they began to go to the rest of Europe. And in the end, historians believe without question in that period of time that, those, young, that those, those Irish priests and monks spread the gospel back to the rest of Europe and saved it from darkness. And when I look at that story, I say, one man, one man, one woman, who tapped into what God had called them to do, taking their darkness, taking what has been done to you. Because see, I know all across this room, there are those of you, you're not moving forward in your born identity. You're not moving forward in what God has created you to do because you are bound up with your past. You're bound up with your darkness. You're bound up with what people have done to you. And God says, I want to use that. I want to take that and make it the the, the rod of iron upon which will will strike the earth with truth. And what is that truth? That I forgive you. I forgive what you did to me and my people. You don't think this has happened before? It did. Remember the Israelites? Enslaved hundreds of years only to come out. Only to be a people that would bring forth the Son of God. See, there's a formula here. Tap into who God has made you to be. And don't let whatever man has done to you family or foe, hold you back. Bring forth what God has inside you. Dig deeper than what you think you could ever, I don't care what people have said to you, you listen to the words of God, not to the words of people, because people can tell us, ah, you'll never amount to anything, or you're this, or you're that, but God says you're a mighty weapon in his hand. If you will just discover who God has created you to be and to use it for his glory, then you're rocking and rolling. See, the enemy is, again, is going to do everything to keep us from operating, operating in our born-again identity using distractions. Now, this is important here, okay? I've, been, I've, I've very passionately shared with you that God has a purpose for your life, and I think we all got that. But I think this part is what you need to get most because the enemy, enemy is going to come and he's going to use distractions. He is going to use counterfeits he is going to use confusion, and he's going to, use, going to use wrong priorities and lies to keep us immobilized. Can't steal who you are away. Matter of fact, I firmly believe that he can't steal your eternal destiny either. He can't do that. He was whipped on the cross, man. All he is is a liar and a thief. So if he can keep Christians confused, it's like the baseball field. Somebody whispers into a kid, if, if I'm coaching a team, and I got a kid who's supposed to be playing right field, but a guy walks up to him and says, hey, don't play right field, play left field. Go play left field. And that's where most of the church is, in left field. Because the enemy speaks to them. It says, no, no, you're not supposed to be there. Imagine what I'd be as a coach. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know? Move over. Get where you're supposed to be. Go to where you've been designed and trained to be. This takes a little confusion, doesn't it? See, as we stay vigilant and alert, we can learn to listen to the direction of the Holy Spirit. Now, that's key, and I've got to finish strong here. See, God didn't just leave you. Jesus, when Jesus left, remember, the disciples were just like, Oh, man, Jesus, you can't leave this man he says I'm, well look i am leaving but i'm sending the holy spirit they didn't get it at the time but in time they learned whoa holy spirit is 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 much of having jesus there it's being filled with the very power that raised jesus from the dead that's that same power and now they can have it and so here we are now if we ask for the holy spirit to come and we have this living, real relationship with God, he will direct us toward the good works that he prepared for us in advance to do. Look at Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared and advanced for us to do. Now look at there. There's my whole daggone series in one verse. There it is. God made us created in christ to do what good works not bad works not just in the middle in between works good works which god prepared in advance for me to do sounds like sounds like psalm 139 to me so do you know who you are i'm going to tell you i'm going to give you a little bible study i want you to do this on your own time because we're going to finish with our video you guys ready with that tape perfect do you know who you are? Do you know who you are? See, in Romans chapter 12, you can, I want you, to, this, is your, this is your lesson, okay? This is what I want you to take home for the week. I want you to read Romans chapter 12. Because there what you will find is months of counseling. Months of Bible study. That if you'll just get it. See, Paul was leading in the book of Romans, considered the theological book. I mean, basically, uh, Paul's, you know, Beautiful creation by the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 12 brings it all together. And he starts off by saying, You know, this is how we determine the will of God. And I'm going to give it, I'm going to break it down, and then you study it on your own. Number one, to yield. Just yield. Yield yourself. Give your whole life to Christ. It starts there. You want to know what your purpose is? Start with yielding. Start by just going out there in your front yard and don't worry about what your neighbor's thinking. And just say, Lord, I belong to you. Every bit of me, every fiber, I'm holding nothing back. Step one. Step two, listen. Because God is a chatty God. The Bible tells us that He's always talking, but it's only men who fail to perceive it. You know? I would say I do that with my wife, but I never do that with my wife. I'm always listening. (laughs) Guys, we always catch the last of. So, do you understand? Now you got a real choice, right, Randy? Do I lie or do I say, honey, would you go over that just one more time? Now you know my wife up here. Anyway, I'll let that, leave that up to your imagination. All right, so listen. Listen, listen, listen. And God is going to speak to you. He has got a personal message. He wants to connect to you individually. Look, if God is saying, look, I created you. I knit you together in my mother's womb. I know you're every fiber, every, every hair in your head, and Jesus said that. Do you think he's got some kind of a generic plan? Here, let's see, we got A, B, and C. Uh, yeah, B fits for you. No, man, he has got a design for you that is so specific as the DNA in your body. You gotta listen, gotta hear it, then serve. Use your gifts. Use your gifts. If serving, serve. If giving, give. If encouragement, encourage. If teaching, teach. If leading, lead. Just do it. That's what Paul says towards the end of that chapter. He says, look, God has made you and given you all this wonderful stuff. Use the stuff because that is going to be the platform. (coughs) Excuse me. That is going to be the platform by which God will bring forth your what? Your identity your purpose and plan don't take on somebody else's identity don't watch somebody else and try to be like them I tell you what every young man every young woman goes through that and that's our journey at first we're trying to figure out who we are and so we watch TV and so we look at YouTube and we look at Instagram and Facebook and we try to make pattern ourselves after someone else and that's bad not good don't do that and then we realize wait a minute I'm a little more unique and sometimes we despise that am I right Basically, I'm telling you what it's like to be an adolescent. We despise it. And then later, when we begin to not compare ourselves and we start growing up and maturing, we begin, wait, 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 wait. I'm unique. Some people never get out of sixth grade. Am I right? You want to get out of sixth grade? Read the book of Romans, chapter 12, and do what Paul says. Serve. And then finally he says, love. Now look, he says, you know what? People are going to come against you. Devil's going to come against you. He's going to use people to do it. And so he says, look, don't return evil for evil. Don't be vengeful. Don't be bitter, because that'll shut the whole daggone thing down. Just shut it down. I mean, you can hear the engine. You can, hear all, you can feel the lights going off inside your soul. That's what resentment